Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and I am joined once again by the most popular guest, sorry Joel, in Swim Brief podcast history, Trevor Gray. Trevor, how are you? Chris, that's not true at all. I've looked at the viewership on YouTube and Joel has way more views than I do. Listen, views on YouTube is not everything. You can't measure yourself by these stats and Really, Trevor, that's more me just laying a little trap to see if Joel will listen to a podcast that he's not on. You know? I appreciate that. So, I, so if I get a message from him later being like, screw you, buddy, then I know that he listened to this podcast. But yeah. um, I'm going to go ahead and bet that that he's not going to because he's he's busy moving once again. He's, uh, his life is a nonstop chaos. Um, it's the 4th of July week. We're getting together uh, a little bit later than we usually are. And today we're going to talk about sleep. And um, our number one piece of advice for people uh, about sleep is um, don't decide to do a podcast about sleep because apparently you'll start sleeping poorly. You and I have had um, both not a great week, but maybe that puts us in the perfect mindset for actually talking about sleep today. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, because it's relatable because what we're about ready to talk about, nothing is guaranteed. Everyone is going to suffer from poor sleep at one time or one phase of your life or another. I mean, you know, as a still somewhat new parent that in those first few years probably was the worst sleep of your life, wasn't it? You know what? Honestly, I've slept. you luck out? Maybe it's a marker of how poorly I've slept at various stages of my life. It was not the worst I've ever slept. But we're going to get into that. I think that's a perfect segue into talking about this because I'm either, Trevor, I'm either um, the most qualified person to talk on this subject or the least qualified, depending on both. <laughs> depending on your perspective. Um, there is no thing that we're going to talk about in this whole series of podcasts that I have a harder time with than sleep. Um I have, and it, it's pretty much been a lifelong struggle um, to fall asleep, to stay asleep. And, you know, um, of course, like everything we're talking about belongs to a part of a system. And I think sleep embodies that maybe more so than anything else we're going to discuss, because it really does have like such strong interactions with all the other things you're trying to do. Like I, I can tell, you know, good, good sleep, bad sleep. Um, I feel it in every other aspect of my life. Right. And so um, it is one of those a one, like I, I you want to say everything's important, but this is like, I don't know that there's anything more important than sleep in terms of um, your physical health, your mental health, um, everything. Well, the four horsemen of disease, in order from top killer to number four killer is cardiovascular disease, cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, and metabolic diseases. And sleep is closely correlated or implicated in all four of those, especially with neurodegenerative diseases. Sleep is extremely important, but we're talking more about athletes today. And I'm, I think you saw the famous now, Stanford basketball player study where they slept more and they tested jump height and reaction time and endurance. Are you aware of that study? 
No, please tell tell the tell the audience. So a lot of a, a lot of sleep experts, which at the end of this podcast, I want to uh, have our listeners go to the more experts than we are and li- get listen to more podcasts on the topic, so they themselves can become more well versed in sleep. But this Stanford study, they took uh, the Stanford men's basketball team. And in one group, uh, they didn't change their sleep habits. And the other group, I think they only increased sleep by 30 minutes. I don't even think it was an hour. And the 30-minute extra sleep, additional sleep group performed well above and beyond the control group. And that study has gone on to uh, to be replicated to confirm those results. So for athletes, man, sleep, not, not only to stave off disease, but for performance enhancement, every athlete has to get sleep. Has to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as somebody who was up at 4 a.m. this morning, I'm, I agree with you. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I tried to work out today and, you know, I can just tell I'm, uh, I'm I don't have hard data on it um, the way that you do. But, um, you know, my subjective sense is it has a big impact on everything else that I try to do um, for the rest of the day. And I guess that let me get into the background a little bit, because we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we have. Um, tried around sleep and um, gosh, uh, you know, I probably could do like a two hour podcast just by myself <laughs> um, describing some of the stuff. So let me, let me try to give people the short version of it. And uh, I just want to stress before, before I do any of this, there's going to be some discussion of supplementation, going to be some discussion of um, medication. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm not suggesting medical interventions for other people. I'm just talking about you know, what it is uh, I've been through. So you have an idea of, um, so you, you can see where I have, um, I have uh, struggled and, and what I have tried to do to address that. Um, I probably first like really had started having a lot of trouble going to sleep um, when I was in high school. And, and looking back, um, there were some pretty significant life stuff that I'm not going to get into for the purpose of this podcast that coincided with that. Um, and the, the real hard thing with sleep, I think is, um, as somebody who's struggled with it for a long time is when you start having trouble, um, uh, going to sleep, it can become kind of a self-sustaining loop, right? Because then it's in your head, like, Oh my God, I'm going to have trouble falling asleep again tonight. And that makes it harder to fall asleep on a subsequent, um, night. So, um, as was a standard treatment for, uh, I guess, uh, a lot of people in, in that time and age, um, I got put on a prescription medication, um, called Ambien, uh, and I've been, uh, taking Ambien for 25 years. Um, wow. as far as I can tell, some give or take a year or two, I don't really know precisely, um, what year it started. And, um, you know, I, it's had its, uh, upsides and, and downsides. I would say, um, the upside is that I more consistently fall asleep, but lately I get more and more concerned about like the actual, first off the quality of the sleep that I'm getting. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I want to start to get some better data on what's going on when I, um, fall asleep. And then, um, I guess also like, you know, what are the long term? I don't think anybody really knows what the, I don't think these medications, for instance, were designed for long-term use, right? No. So, um, 
you know, I, I always have latently in the back of my mind, some level of concern that, you know, like I'm doing something that potentially like, I know that there are no free rides in nature essentially. Right. So there's some, some other way I am paying for this. You'll pay the actually, down the road. Yeah. And I don't, maybe I'm already am. And I, I just don't know what it is, but I don't like not knowing <laughs> what it is. Right. I like to know what my consequences are so I can make an informed decision. And I think this is one where um, I'm not exactly uh, sure. And I, I've been down that road several times um, in terms of, you know, like going to a doctor, getting, getting on medication without fully understanding the long-term implications of, of being medicated for various things. Um, so that's, um, that's part of mine. And, um, I, on top of that, I think I probably have personal experience with anything that, um, might be out on the market, you know, that is being marketed as a supplement in some shape or form to help you with, with, uh, sleep. Um, and that man, that for me means, uh, a lot of trial and error. And, uh, I can say overall, um, I think this, this week excluded, I've gotten to a pretty good place in life. I'm probably sleeping better than I have at any other stage. Um, and it's the, it's the non-sexy stuff <laughs> that I think has, um, really stood the test of time for me. Um, getting, if we talked about nutrition last week, um, supplementing with magnesium, getting an adequate level of magnesium, getting an adequate level of um, zinc um, in my diet, um, or you know, supplementing with some all, zinc. All, all of the hundreds of nutrients you need. Right. Yeah. Um, eating eating a uh, nutritious diet, um, meditation, managing my stress levels, um, exercising regularly. Um, you know, like you got to keep what I learned more than anything is that getting having a bad night's sleep can challenge you um, on doing the other things. But you want to do what you can to, like, keep the other things in your constellation um, going as well as they possibly can, because that will make it easier for you to get back into a good rhythm um, sleeping wise. So I've been able to smooth off some of um, some of those like sort of self-fulfilling prophecies with sleep um, definitely through that stuff. I mean, what do you, what do you like, what do you have experience with? Well, what you're talking about is sleep hygiene. And yeah. I tell my classes often that you are high maintenance. It is so high maintenance to be human. You said, you tell them that I'm high maintenance, particularly, no. you know, Chris DeSantis is very high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, who's that? I can, <laughs> I said, and I say he's the famous podcaster. Yeah. Don't you know Chris DeSantis? Yeah. No, every biological system is high maintenance. If you want to live a healthy life, it takes a lot of damn hard work. And what you're describing is sleep hygiene. And yeah, we got to eat right and exercise and set yourself up for good sleep during the night. And that's a lot of work, unfortunately. And we're like, right. why can't we be like our pets, our dogs? Where, you know, uh, they're tired. Okay, they're just going to lay down and they fall asleep like that, right? Why can't we do that? Well, uh, we're a little bit more complex and our society is definitely not geared towards optimizing um, uh, human functionality for good health. Right. So but, uh, I, I want to reiterate what you said that I'm not a registered dietitian. 
I am not recommending any of these supplements. Um, simply giving information so you can explore further on maybe some of them would help you or not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's. Talk, I want to first talk about how uh, you can also help yourself at night. So <clears throat> the sun is bright, and we can measure that in lumens. So if we measure that in or the Kelvin scale. So let's take the Kelvin scale and, and measure the sun. That's on a clear blue day. That's ten thousand Kelvin that the sun is producing, right? And right. I'll, I'll, go ahead, I'll go ahead and say now that if you want to dive into sleep more, listen to Andrew Huberman's podcast. Mm-hmm. And a he recommends you get up. Uh, yeah, me too. As well. yeah. <laughs> uh, get up in the morning, uh, go outside for 10 minutes and not stare at the sun, obviously, but get the sunlight on your face. Like he's a big, big proponent of that. He's mentioned it in many podcasts. That can help you sleep at night. Now, okay, so nighttime falls, it's dark out. You go turn on the bathroom light to brush your teeth, and the light flashes in your eyes. And let's say that's at 5,000 Kelvin. Very bright. 5,000 is still like the midday sun. I recommend my athletes and everyone go to the store, get a 1,200 lumen light bulb, and put those in your bathroom. And a candle flame is right around 1,500-ish. Um, and that we have adapted to the light of fire and we can fall asleep. It's one of the reasons camping might be good for us is because we hear that crackling and, and that light does not keep that yellow flame does not keep us up at night. So I recommend that you change your light bulbs, uh, in those places where you go at night to a Hmm. lower lumen as to not disrupt your circadian rhythm with very bright light that can help number one. So get those Edison bulbs. They look cool and they're very low lumens. Um, the other thing you could do is stop eating two to three hours before you go to bed. Let mm-hmm. the food digest and get out of your system. I am terrible at this. This is I, I'm, I, I keep working. Oh, I'm good at that. That's my jam, Trevor. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're done eating by 7, 8, 8 o'clock? Yeah, probably 6.30 at the latest. Yeah, wow. See, and you're in bed about 10 or something? Yeah. 11, yeah. Yeah, I can't do that. I struggle with that. So I'm still working on that one. So those two things can actually uh, help a lot in terms of going to bed uh, and getting a good night's rest. So the following are not drugs like Ambien, but the following are natural supplements. And the vast majority of these you already have in your body. So let's go through them. One is glycine. Glycine is an amino acid. And I'm not going to explain in this podcast what an amino acid is beyond the building blocks for proteins. So you already have glycine in you. And it turns out that glycine is also a neurotransmitter that can um, help promote sleep by decreasing your time to sleep. And how much do you take? Start off with like a gram. And Mm. by the way, for those that want to get, um, uh, Chris is going to post this uh, somewhere on this website. So this is free for anyone to access this and um, definitely talk to your healthcare provider for any drug interactions. But what you're yep. doing is all just increasing your supply of this amino acid in the brain to help promote sleep. Okay. Next. Magnesium. Hold on, let me just, can I just yeah. interject because sure. Um, glycine is one we've talked about and um, interesting. I, I think there are one of the reasons why you should always, you know, do this under advice of somebody more than a, the podcaster. I mean, uh, you, you say talk to your healthcare provider. I mean, I basically, um, I actually do that. You know, I know there's not a lot of people that go to their doctor and go like, 
how about this? I, I have done that. Um, yeah. And I do do that. And interestingly enough with glycine, there's a certain percentage of people that have a paradoxical effect. So like the, the, it should be like sort of calming and sleep promoting. I am like wired beyond belief <laughs> if I supplement glycine. And that's just like, like you said, like I, you had this great quote on a previous podcast. So we're as different on the inside as we look on the outside, you know, yep. like that's just, that's just a possibility that ha- that can happen. So that's why, you know, it's not about copying routines, right? It's just about sort of understanding what's our, what, like, what are some possible things out there that could be influencing your sleep and, and working to figure Absolutely. it out. There's responders and non-responders, and then there's hypo responders, no response, and then hyper responders. Some people drink a sip of caffeine and they go wild. I have a colleague right. actually, and she can't drink any caffeine because she goes like, pretty, not crazy, but she gets very, very hyper. And then other people who could drink, I'm sure there's people out there who could drink eight cups of coffee a day and they're lethargic all day long. Now that's probably some right. other problem, but <laughs> there's gonna be responders and non-responders to all these, which is why you have to experiment with these and try them for a few weeks or even a few months and then go off of them. Like, how do I feel? And it's a, this, these sleep supplement recommendations, if you choose to look into them and and adopt them is a six month experiment of one to see if they work for you or not. Right. So the next one, uh, this is probably my, uh, if you were to try something first, it's this one and it's magnesium three and eight T H R E O N A T E three and eight. The reason this one's number one is because it's been estimated by the U.S. Health, uh, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that 50% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. And then magnesium is known to interact with 80% of metabolic reactions. It's a very important mineral. And if half the population is not getting enough, that's a problem. So let's make sure, let's maybe supplement, make sure you're getting enough. And then if it can help sleep as well, well, then extra bonus. So evidence of all these is mixed, of course, because there's responders and non-responders. But I'd probably um, try this magnesium three and eight first. Yeah. And I've been doing that for years, mag- specifically magnesium L3 and eight. Um, yeah. Yeah. For, and for several years. And have I, you I cycled off? Of, have you cycled off of that at all and gone back on no. it? No. Yeah. Cycle off of it. See what happens for a few nights and then oh try God. it again. <laughs> <laughs> Watch you get a report back that I went off it and I slept better. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, maybe. I'll okay, try anything is, this week. Go ahead. Yeah. Next is theanine, T H uh, E A N I N E. This is also an amino acid found amino acid. in green tea. Yeah. Uh, so if you drink a degree for green tea drinker, you already have this in your system and you're only doing, or you're only uh, increasing your own internal amount by supplementing. And this is just 200 to 400 milligrams of theanine at night. And this does promote um, just calmness and relaxation. And it's one of the reasons why green tea is not as strong as caffeine, because um, theanine can blunt caffeine's effects of being awake and alert. So that's why green tea is a little bit more mellow. Number one, green tea has less caffeine than coffee, but also it has this amino acid in it that naturally blunts the effects of um the, uh, of caffeine. Yeah. I like this one. I've cycled on and off this one. And this one, I feel if I have to wake mm-hmm. up in the middle of the night and use the restroom, uh, I feel like this heaviness, uh, when I use it, which I like, and then I can go back to sleep usually fairly well. 
Wow, that sounds wonderful. I wonder what that's yeah. like. Yeah, right. Yeah, you should try it. You don't feel heavy when you wake up in the middle of the night? <laughs> I feel terrified that I'm not going to be able to fall back asleep. Yeah. Personally. Try that one. <laughs> um, next is GABA, gamma amino butyric acid. And this one is definitely mixed, um, but I kind of like it uh, on this one. And this also crosses the uh, blood brain barrier and promotes sleep and calmness. Um, you can also take some of these during the day. If you're, if you're going for a job interview, also you should, you should, you should practice this first and you're too hyped up for the job interview, take some of these calming supplements and they can work. Now, you don't want to go in lethargic either, so you, gosh, people, you got to experiment with these things beforehand, just like you would. You know how the um, golden rule of swimming, any sport, don't change your diet, right? Right. Keep the same diet. Don't experiment with anything at the big meat. You experiment with it before. So uh, GABA can work. Uh, next is ashwagandha. Very popular right now in the literature uh, because a couple studies showed that testosterone levels were increased with ashwagandha it's mixed um more that's because it blunts cortisol right i mean sorry i'm an amateur knowledge uh and and cortisol would would bind up some uh testosterone so that would be the that that's the sort of the theory right it's a possible mechanism yeah yeah uh the it does promote calmness um, the exact mechanism, and we don't quite know how ashwagandha is working uh, to promote this calmness, but uh, that can also work. 300 to 500 milligrams before bed um, is a good dose. And again, these are low doses. Maybe you need more, maybe you need less. So again, experiment. Um, but that, that one's okay. And again, this is not a comprehensive list of all the sleep um, promoting supplements or calmness promoting supplements that are on the market. These are just the ones I put together. And then lastly, uh, melatonin. Now, this is a hormone. The pineal gland in your brain releases melatonin and begins to release melatonin uh, when the sun goes down. And melatonin actually doesn't promote sleep itself. It starts the cascade of events that eventually lead, lead to sleep. Um, so what you're doing when you supplement with melatonin is increasing your own internal supply. Now, it has been suggested that if you take supplemental melatonin, your body has chemoreceptors and says, oh, I have this much melatonin circulating. I'm fine. Hey, pineal gland, go ahead and back off on how much you're, you're producing because somehow we already have enough in the body. And so you can blunt your own natural secretion if you take melatonin um, constantly or um, chronically. You take it chronically. And so yeah. it is recommended that melatonin only be taken for jet lag, right before a race, uh, a meet, or a couple nights before a meet, let's say you want to get really good sleep two nights before your swim meet, take it then. Um, again, experiment with it. Um, I have heard the most variability with melatonin supplementation than any other supplement. It gives some people nightmares. Um, some people sleepwalk. And so the brand seems to be really important um, with how it interacts with your physiology. Which brings me to, real quick, yeah. what brand? Um I did a project in grad school of making my own supplement company, and it was super easy here in Washington State. And I could have just made a sugar pill, fancy label, and started selling it. So you do have to right. be very careful. One one label you should be looking for is NSF for sports. And they have an app, and these are not guaranteed, but they go through a number of 
um, production quality, um, production quality. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? To, uh, some protocols. sort of di- testing to, to, yeah, testing to, to determine what's actually inside them because otherwise, yeah. you know, you don't for know. For purity and what's in the ingredients. So it's not guaranteed, right. but you're more likely to be safe if you look for an NS, NSF certified supplement. Um, so download that app and look at what brands uh, are paying for that. Yeah, but I think that's a particularly important piece of advice because we, we, we did gave that disclaimer at the front. And really, you know, we're talking to adults. We're talking to master swimmers here. Um, you know, you probably, if you follow the swimming news, you, you've seen a bunch of people who um, have failed drug tests and claim that they took uh, tainted supplements. So yep. um, I, I, if I'm giving advice to uh, somebody that's... Um, you know, in an actively drug tested um, sport, I'm almost just say like, avoid any kind of supplementation, because I cannot trust (laughs) what's going on. Um, I could not I could not tell you, um, I don't I could not tell you what works and when what's guaranteed, um, or if anything, it really is guaranteed to nothing's guaranteed. um, No, to to, to be pure, Um, you know, but we're talking a lot to adults to master swimmers here. Um, despite the fact that Lance Armstrong wasn't allowed to compete in master swimming, I think, you know, they relied on WADA to do the hard work for them there. There's, um, uh, let me just say, uh, if you think that, um, there's not performance enhancing drug use at masters nationals, um, you're a little bit naive. Uh, yeah, (laughs) that's just my personal, uh, anecdotal opinion. I don't recommend um, actively seeking that stuff out, but I also wouldn't worry as much, um, no. on the, on the purity, um, aspect of it still, but it's important from the perspective of you want to know what you're putting into yourself as yeah. best you can. Um, so I think it's a good point to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I will, as we said, we'll, we'll, we'll put that stuff up there. Um, as you were talking, it did remind me of a few points that I, uh, and, and tips and tricks and, and strategies that I've learned uh, over the years. You, you talked about um, timing of eating. I find it's uh, extremely beneficial to have a consistent uh, falling asleep and, and waking time. I think that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of people struggle with sleep uh, when they have kids, because it's very hard to maintain a consistent sleep and wake time when you have, you know, uh, young kids that, you know, could could be up at any time. Right. And require uh, you to be somewhat wakeful to attend to them in some shape or fashion. Um, But, you know, as you as my 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 youngest is five now, so pretty much. Um, and I try to impart this on my kids too. give them a real consistent, um, uh, uh, sleep and, uh, wake cycle. I mean, I think one of the interesting things is again, too, uh, one, one of the things we take for granted, um, most of us with small kids is like, we don't just like throw them in bed and be like, go to sleep. And I think that's what many of us are actually doing to ourselves when we're trying to fall asleep. We just go from this high level of activity to like, okay, lights off sleep time now, you know, right. like 
We're just running around. Whereas like, you know, kids, you'll read them a book, you'll put them in pajamas, you brush the teeth, like, you know, you, you know, hug them and snuggle them a little bit. Like there's, there's a routine. Like, there's a routine. There's, there's, and that's, um, you know, t- to the extent that you can recreate some of that stuff for yourself, it does help um, as an adult to um, start signaling to yourself well before the moment when you're actually going to try to fall asleep that like sleep is coming and we're, we're headed in that um, headed in that direction. And another important aspect of that is if you do wake up in the middle of the night or have trouble falling asleep right away, don't stress, just, it's fine. Pick up yeah. a book, start reading. Uh, le- that stress leads to more of not right. sleeping and just, uh, yeah, try not to fret over not sleeping. And you're, you know what? One night of crappy sleep, we're all fine. Two nights, we're all fine. But after three yeah. or four nights, your body should ad- ad- adapt and adjust and allow you to sleep that next night. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think that's a very important point. Like uh, as somebody, again, who's dealt with lifelong insomnia, um, I never lay awake trying to fall asleep for more than 20 minutes. Right. When I reach that 20-minute mark, that's a time for me to just like do something else. And at least if I'm going to try again, just reset, you know, um, try it again. Yep. B- yeah. Because I think the hardest thing is, um, you know, if you're somebody who is really dedicated and ambitious and likes to get after it, you know, like you exert a high level of like discipline and control and, the moment where you try to fall asleep is all about letting go. <laughs> and, you know, for people out there, uh, I know a lot of uh, whom I've worked with uh, who have really struggled with sleep. It's usually people who are um, it's not it's not for lack of discipline um, in a certain sense. It may be they may be have some poor habits around that that step down to um, sleep. But there there's a lot of people, I think, who struggle with sleep who are. Um, actually quite disciplined people who exert like a lot of motivation and, um, and just general control drive. over their Yeah. They have a lot of drive <laughs> and it's hard. It can be hard for them to then just turn it off, turn that off yeah, for a little while. Um, I happen to live with somebody who, um, my wife who, you know, like we're like perfect yin and yang for each other because she can fall asleep like almost anywhere, anytime, um, doing anything. And so I just marvel, um, at her and, um, you know, being with her all day, I can tell that, uh, it's not necessarily that she has better habits than me. It's not necessarily that she's, um, even processing stress. She's, she leads a, uh, she's, she leads a pretty stressful lifestyle. Um, but you know, we all wear this a little bit differently. And I happen to be, uh, one of those people who, um, you know, kind of a leading indicator of other stuff, um, not operating optimally in my life is, is, is sleep. And for her, it's other stuff, you know, she can always get a good night's of sleep. So, um, you know, I, I think that's useful to me in the sense of, um, uh, just a psychological concept here as well is, um, not thinking of this as like a problem that you have to like, to, you know, eradicate like my, my poor sleep that that does not lead to uh, improving your sleep. Right. Well, it's like you have it, what, you are who you are. And, and yeah, go ahead. 
the reason we train in swimming, we like, oh, this is a huge problem. I can't go one minute in some events. We don't think of it like that. We think, oh, well, let's right. start training so we can do that. Same thing here yeah. with sleep. But let's develop a protocol so that we can go to sleep. It's not a problem. Yeah, so don't stress out. Let's about just it. try to get better. We'll go whatever, get better. whatever level you're at, it's made you on some level successful. It's gotten you to where you are. Um, and it's good to want to improve it. Right. Yeah. But that's what you're working on. You're not trying to, um, you're not trying to destroy some setback, right? Um, right. you're, you're, you're trying to, um, be a better version of yourself. And, right. um, I think if you can do that, it can get easier because again, as somebody that has had a hard time with it, um, thinking of it as a problem can, can multiply exacerbate um, its power in my own mind uh and in a way that i that's not helpful to me in in yeah. getting better and, and getting to the next step so some more resources as we sign off here uh yeah andrew huberman has a number of podcasts uh with sleep experts and uh dr peter atia also has a few podcasts on sleep and how to get better sleep and usually they're interviewing someone like dr matt walker who is head of the uh, what's he head of at Cal Berkeley, the Sleep Science Institute? Uh, so those three, uh, Andrew Huberman, Dr. Andrew Huberman, Dr. Peter Atia, and Dr. Matt Walker are great resources. A number of podcasts uh, to listen to them to them to uh, get better sleep. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, as I've been talking with you across, uh, Trevor, I, I um, I've been playing around in my mind uh, about strategies for maybe breaking free from this lifelong dependency on Ambien. So if I if I figure out a way to do that, um, I'm going to be sure to share it in this space. Um, well, it sounds like you need to take the there. leap of faith. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe it's it's. Uh, I'm still working on the strategy, Trevor. You know, but we'll, we'll talk more about that offline. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> Um, thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you, Trevor, for uh, being here as well and sharing your knowledge. Um, I know that there are people out there that really benefit from hearing from you. And because uh, I hear from them, I even sent you one uh, today. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, I'll see you again next week.